that. Hey, Vampire Princess, are we finished? My name is Matthew Kroll. And I wish I didn't have herpes, but I gotta work with what I got. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Ambulance. 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 There's different lettering or the different colors of the letters, and that is how you now say the word ambulance. I really did enjoy how this title was brought on, but I think we're going to need some help in order to decipher exactly what the L and the A stand for. That's true. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) I'm not quite sure at this point, particularly the way it was done. But I am really thrilled uh, for us to have, finally joining us on the podcast, Mark Hoffmeyer, who is the host of the Movies, Flicks, and Film podcast, as well as one of my favorites, the Deep Blue Sea podcast. Um, And one of the, uh, I, I will say this, one of my absolute favorite writers on the internet, you write for the Rotten Tomatoes, and write, and and I and I, I'm being very sincere about this, has written one of my favorite articles about uh, Cabin in the Woods, uh, which is how I think I, I caught your work from the first time. Uh, but we are absolutely thrilled that you can finally talk to us about some Michael Bayisms, which I understand you've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Uh, you know, I'm amazing. I just want you to know that, uh, Shahir, when you brought up Drive My Car, the deleted scene that features a catapult shooting the car into <laughs> the water, I I can't watch the movie ever again. It's, because it has like, to happen, they, right? There, it's got to be on the cutting room floor. There's like no <laughs> catapult in Drive My Car. Like there's no catapult in any of the Best Picture nominees from last year. But that suggestion you made, just thinking about a peaceful drive, a great conversation, and then... Poof, <laughs> like a trebuchet mm-hmm. launching mm-hmm. it. I that's like been on my mind. All the, like I take long walks on the beach to think about <laughs> it. I mean, that's just I it's a the world needs to see a cat the catapult cut. It would have it would have uh, you know, the the it'd be the cinematic equivalent of a Paul Rudd interview. Yeah. Um <laughs> for, for 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 those listening in, Mark and I kind of uh will exchange pithy tweets uh online every now and again in relation to work that he has done or or something I'm something dumb I might have said on the podcast. Uh, but it, in addition to that work, I think one of the, like I mentioned, you wrote one of my favorite articles about Cabin in the Woods, but I think one of the things that you are most noted for writing is a kind of really uh, equal parts incredibly detailed and also equal parts absurd and data analytics of movies and and the favorite article of my of yours that I uh, absolutely love was the 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 length that the merman would have to <laughs> would have to crawl in cabin in the woods which was I think the first article of yours I wrote and I was like automatic bookmark on this one so tell oh, me no, how it, you got into it, data analytics for films well, <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of weird right so I started uh, I've always loved movies uh, I started movies films of flicks in 2010 and I, it was just me writing really terrible reviews of Dolph Lundgren movies. I mean, <laughs> really bad, really bad. Like I, I, but I, I kept at it. Like I would. I remember I was working on a stupid reality show. I was in the Everglades. It was like 11 p.m. But I'm like, I gotta write this Dolph Lundgren review. So I kept <laughs> writing reviews. But then eventually, like one weekend, I, I was. I used to do like weird data articles. And one weekend, I was like, Well, what's what's like the best horror film of the 21st century? So I put all this data together. That hit big. It got on like. Uh, AV Club, a bunch of different websites, and I did a poll. Cabin in the Woods was voted the best horror film in 2015. Then they ended up sharing it on their Facebook page, like AV Club, uh, Movie Pilot. Someone used it, and then they didn't really like reference me, so I messaged them. Then they gave me a job as a movie critic for them. And wow. then I tried to like recreate the the same method of what made that horror post work. And I, I probably wasted about a year just writing the same thing over with a different kind of like tweak to it. 
But eventually yeah. one day I was like, I got to like this. I can't keep recreating. This is wasting too much time. So then I just started thinking about jet ski action scenes and how they're in, in like, you know, <laughs> quote unquote, bad movies. Yeah. And then that one did really well. And then I was like, well, I should probably figure out how far the creature from it follows followed. You know, then yeah. I was like, you know, then I just <laughs> I just started like, I kind of just started going like freewheeling. Like I, right. I didn't want any plan. I didn't want like I didn't want to be topical. So I just started like my goal is like exactly what you said. When you look at it, your life won't be changed. But I just want you to have like a chuckle when you're in line at a CVS or you're on the train. Like I want you to read my headline and just be like, this, this dude's crazy. Uh, and then and then move on with your day. So that actually kind of spiraled. And, uh, you know, I got picked up by some pretty big, pretty big places. And now I just keep writing more and more of them. People seem to like them. So well, it's been fun. Uh, it's, it's very cool. It's 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 the kind of. um. I, I, how do I put it? Like, I am a huge fan of looking at something silly with the most serious and sincere <laughs> lens possible. Yeah, and your stuff is that in spades. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's so it's so fun because at a certain point, like it, it's like a roller coaster of going through when you're reading some of your stuff because it's like, oh, haha, silly headline. This is fun. Oh shit, he actually. Oh yeah, God! He actually that took did how the work. long? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God! And then you're like, "What about this? Oh, oh, there's that analytic." And yeah. it's like, it's like this weird, like it's the perfect, like uh, I guess, literary roller coaster for my brain to go on uh, when I when I'm experiencing this stuff. So it's very, it's very fun. No, it makes Wait, me there... so happy to hear that. It makes me so because like I wrote three thousand words on on a uh, um, on how the main villain in Bloodsport threw the final fight on purpose. So it's. Uh, well, I actually haven't read that one. Yeah. That's what I actually am hyper interested in. Yeah, like so, but I want it to be sincere and super earnest. Like yeah. so, yeah. but so I try to write them really dry. But I also realize how silly they are. So I just I want to do all the work. Uh, I also like to make it a goal. Like you know, like Reddit's been really great to me. And one thing I love about going on Reddit is like answering all the questions that people are going to have about what I'm writing about in, in advance. So yeah. people, some people are like, why didn't you write this? I'm like, well, look at the second paragraph. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. you did say that. I just read the headline. <laughs> so I like, it's just fun. Like I want to be, a, I, I want to treat, like, you know, there's millions of websites out there, like so many people writing, so many podcasts. So I just really want to like, when people leave what they, what I wrote, I want them to at least learn something yeah, or, right. or think they learn something. So I just try to I try to take it as seriously as possible. But I mean, how, how serious can you be when you're talking about the merman crawling to, to right. murder a, a person? So what I was going to say about the merman crawling thing that I actually loved is that it got me thinking about like Cabin in the Woods is a movie uh, ostensibly about office politics in a horror movie. Right. Like there's a, there's an office that manages like demons and, and creatures. Uh, <sighs> that's half of the thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but that's kind of like the office sit in that world. And, and what your article actually really got me thinking about is like how what are the actual logistics of this pl of this uh, of this workspace and how does it actually right. work and like realistically how can we deploy the merman if we need to um, so what I, I guess what I'm curious about is that in in the process of writing like what I would call movie data analytics what, is there anything that actually su genuinely surprised you um, you know, like one of the things I've been noticing about your writing, for example, right now is the correlative quality that you have been attributing to certain uh, things. For example, in the Michael Bay article, less explosions equals a higher Rotten Tomatoes score or the more Tom Cruise runs, the higher the Rotten Tomatoes score. Is there anything like that's actually been sort of surprising to learn that is perhaps useful for people to think about? Oh, gosh. All right. Something useful for people to think about that comes <laughs> from my data. 
You know, so the Michael Bay piece originally started. I wanted to record how much people yelled in a Michael Bay movie and see if that right. mattered. But then I watched Transformers. And I'm like, I can't do this. Because <laughs> everyone's yelling no, all the time. It's the entire thing. There's yeah. no human way of like doing that. So I guess, man, okay. That's really, that's an interesting question. What Like, what's practical? So I guess it's fairly evident that the Tom Cruise movies make more money when he's running because you, you have the action films. Right. Uh, Michael Bay movies with less explosions. Because, uh, you know, I guess that makes sense, too, because that includes what The Rock and those kind of films and not all the Transformer movies. Right. That's a re- no one's ever asked me that question. I like there's been a lot of work in terms of de- figuring out Michael Bay as an auteur and and, you know, auteur theory around Michael Bay, particularly. And, you know, like it sort of came to a, a little bit of a head in a few in a few years ago with the, the term vulgar auteurism as it related to Michael Bay. But the interesting thing that I think you pointed out was was something that I thought was quite reflective of both the audience for Michael Bay and what Michael Bay does. One is that, you know, again, the less uh, explosions that happen in a Michael Bay movie, the higher the Rotten Tomato score. And, and as you pointed out, I think there's only two films in Michael Bay's filmography <laughs> that have actually received a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But the second thing was, the more explosions there are in a Michael Bay movie, the higher the box office. And, and I think that was like, th- that to me, in, in all the think pieces that have been written about Michael Bay as an auteur, was actually one of the most interesting, reflective um, uh, data points to actually point, uh, to look at what drives Michael Bay's popularity as a filmmaker, what we're interested in in Michael Bay as a filmmaker, and, and why he keeps doing what he does. Because uh, ostensibly a filmmaker at his caliber who has only received two movies, for whatever you, whether you determine the, the metric of fresh on Rotten Tomatoes to be of any value or not, um, but to only have two movies that have been determined as fresh, um, uh, counterbalanced by the fact that every other movie he's made has made, contributed, I, I think you had to figure like $6 billion worth of um, ticket sales or something along those lines, was probably yeah, two one movies, of the yeah. Yeah, most interesting data points in this, in this discussion that I think we're going to have about Michael Bay. Uh, particularly as it relates to this film as well. And it's pretty wild. I wasn't shocked that Ambulance had a had a week opening weekend because mm. if you look at Pain and Gain in 13 Hours, they both made yeah. under 100 million worldwide. Yeah. And I right. think yeah. those are two of his better films, like objectively, subjectively. I think yeah. I think Pain and Gain features probably Dwayne Johnson's best performance. I don't think he'll Pain and ever... Gain is like Michael Bay trying to do a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Right? And like, it's, like, yeah it's, it's his Coen Brothers movie. It's so gross, and you feel yeah. so dirty. You feel so, like it, it's like you need to take a shower after watching it, and it, it's it's like silly, and it's there's childish moments, and it's so gratuitous. But like you could just tell he's like he, he was talking about getting that off the ground for years before he made it. So I feel right. like he he goes and he makes ambulance, he makes pain and gain, thirteen hours, but then he has to go do a Transformers to get the money yeah. to go make these things. Again. And, and and truthfully, he's done enough Transformers where I feel like he could do like three or four of these in a row if he wanted. I mean, yeah. he kind of did, kind although of did. I'm sure Netflix yeah. paid him enough with Six Underground. But this this wasn't isn't this the first theatrical release film from Michael Bay since like 2017? Yeah, because what Six Underground went to Netflix. Yeah, and yeah. that movie's nuts. Have Have you watched that movie recently? Oh, we talked. Well, we, we not we recently. It on no, but we reviewed it. Yeah, yeah. That movie's insane. Yeah, <laughs> Melanie. To be honest Lord, with Melanie- you, I have very little recollection of that movie in its entirety, other than a pretty cool-looking heist-esque sequence in I I, th- I want to say Hong Kong, but I don't know. But it was a skyscraper-laden city 
of, of some description that kind of felt like Honka may not have been at all. Uh, but so but like, what was you, you you spoke with such exclamation there? What was the the insanity of that movie that drew you in? It's like I, I guess if you summed it up, it's just like parkour magnets, civilian death, <laughs> like like uh, they throw over a a dictator like a warlord, right? And he's he's ripped apart, and then <laughs> there's going to be a new government established, which like destabilizes. Like they they don't really even think twice and it's so, so profane and so many civilians are murdered and the 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 franco death and melanie laurent like you yes. watch beginners and then you watch six underground and you're just sitting yeah. there going what is ha-? like the yeah, i would love to work on a michael bay film because the energy that these people have to keep up throughout blows my mind i don't think people appreciate like in the, the opening scene in six underground it's them yelling for 20 minutes like that was right that's like man, he must really annoy his actors or get them worked up because, but I guess it's so profane. It's just a, it's a nasty civilians just get, yeah, it's nasty. It's a nasty flick. And you know, bad boys too. There's an entire chase scene where dead bodies are thrown out the back of a truck to stop vehicles. Yeah. When I saw bad boys two in a theater and the entire Cuban sequence happened, I was, I had a kind of gross feeling in my, in, in my mouth as I was watching that, that entire sequence. They killed seventy five people when they, during that chase scene down, destroying all those homes. It's just, yeah. I mean, even if you look, I mean, look, civilian casualties is um, uh, a tradition in Michael Bay films. I feel like, I mean, I, I watched just going through. Um, honestly, I think it was a, a pre placed thing in one of your in this article in the Michael Bay article about like just a scene from Transformers: Dark of the Moon or like whatever the hell that was called. And and it was a scene where Transformers were like chasing Bumblebee and w- Wiki down the highway, and like they're just like randomly throwing or hip checking or getting smashed into the windshields of cars. Like the here's a driver and the entire front of the car ca- like over and over and over again in in what is it supposed to be kind of a kids movie. It's just like death everywhere. Like so, he he's not a stranger uh, to the civilian casualty by any means of the imagination. Like, they take them into the city. They're in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, "We got to go to the city for cover." <laughs> and then they take them into a busy city for yeah, the yeah. final battle. And you're just going. First of all, you're saying, "I love this. Uh, yeah. This is absolutely <laughs> amazing, right?" Yeah. Uh, but then, but then it's just, I don't know. But this, uh, there's something about going in. You know, you brought up Volgar Tour. I really believe that Michael Bay is an auteur. I can, I can yeah. say that with one hundred percent certainty. I mean, this is a guy who, who, as soon as you see his movie, you know what it is. And I read about how he came up with the bad boy shot. Producers were trying to shut him down. They didn't like what he was doing. Then yeah. he just stopped the car, and he had he had Martin Lawrence and Will Smith stand up, and he shot around him with a rig yeah. real quick, and that became the iconic shot. Like this is a guy who uh, he, he I don't know. has an aesthetic that is clearly. Of his uh, of his making, which I think, if you boil down the auteur theory at, at its you know like from the Cahiers du Cinemas guys um, down to its most essential form, is can we identify the both the visual, narrative, and thematic traits of this film uh, of the filmmaker within the DNA of this film? And with Michael Bay, there's no question about that. And I think what it leads to is an interesting question because uh, of of what do we make of what Michael Bay thinks of the world? 
when we think about the way he dis- the way he makes movies because uh, arguably uh, on the one hand there is a, a pleasure principle to Michael Bay that is really effective like I, I said uh, I think I said this on the podcast is that there are moments in the first Transformer film that are absolute genius which display a kind of almost Buster Keaton Chaplin-esque sense of like uh, physical comedy with giant CGI robots that I don't think anybody has ever matched at the same time his movies are pretty um, misogynistic, um, pretty pessimistic about the world, and pretty um, nihilistic about human nature. Um, you know, whether uh, this is wrapped in the sort of bubble of uh, of like somewhat trying to be funny and and you know like having this idea that the you know like that movies are sort of entertaining, but they do leave you with a little bit of an icky taste in your mouth. And I think when we get into this conversation about ambulance, that the, the thing that really interested me here is the way in which Michael Bay navigates morality as it as it deals with people who are doing um, who, who who ostensibly in a movie situation would be considered the bad guy. And and I'm I'm really interested in the way you guys read what Michael Bay has to say about that and how he how he sort of navigates that line, um, either to success or or, or none. Um, so we should we should actually talk about the the forty million dollar movie, which is a, kind of a staggering figure to think about uh, this movie as as being only forty million. We talked about Sex Underground just a little bit, which was a Netflix, a Netflix released film, which had a budget of one hundred and fifty million. And this is yeah. uh, you know one. And I would argue this movie. From a personal perspective, looks way better than Six Underground looks. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it's a, I, definitely I, a more interesting movie. But we should we should talk about yeah. it. So, what is Ambulance about? Oh well, I can tell you. I, I know we have an excellent writer on the show, but I'm going to uh, read instead the IMDb movie description <laughs> of what the film Ambulance is. Are you ready? This oh, might no. take a while, <laughs> so I'm so sorry in advance. <clears throat> Two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry. That's it. <laughs> we did it. Bada bing, bada done. Look, that is that is a great. Uh, that is the most the most Michael Bay. Descri- I, I bet you he wrote that himself. <laughs> I, I, I bet you they 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 hired him out to do that. It's it's perfect. There no notes. That's what this is. Um. <laughs> Talk about an elevator pitch. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, the word awry in there. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have just said wrong or bad. I like the word awry. You don't see awry enough. Well, uh, well while fan. we're at it, should we, should we read out the description of the 2005 Danish film that this is based upon, which may actually provide a little bit more context. Uh, do you which, have it in front of you? I certainly do. The, uh, the Danish film directed by Lawrence Munch uh, P- Peterson, uh, Ambulance, is about two brothers who commit a robbery out of desperation. However, when it all goes wrong, they decide to steal an ambulance, but they soon realize that they are not alone. Kind of a bitter synopsis of this movie, right? Well, it's a, it's a more character-focused, nuanced synopsis. Whereas, right. I would argue, when you beify this, that's gone. <laughs> right. um, or, or, or it is drowned out by all of the other Bayisms. <laughs> the, uh, the Bayham, I believe, Mark, you have, you have uh, coined it in your article, Breaking Down Bayham. Yeah, um, so- yeah it, look, I am a big fan of understanding the experience I am going in for. That goes a long way for me. I, You know what? I saw Sonic, and we're not talking about Sonic 2, but I knew the exact experience I was going in for, and therefore, I had a good time. I knew 
the exact experience I was in for with Ambulance, and therefore I had a good time. There are flaws all over the dang place if you want to look for them, but Michael Bay has a really great way of making you not give a shit about those flaws. Uh, I thought, like, case in point, none of the chase mechanics or, um, or placement, like, you never knew where you were. Ever. Ever. There was no locational awareness whatsoever. Even in the bank. I was like, what is this labyrinthian? Like, David Bowie's gonna pop out of here any fucking second. But, like, you also don't care because it's the feeling you're getting of not knowing when the characters also don't know. Uh, and he's really good at sort of that. I thought the drone shots were pretty neat, but also... I saw it in IMAX and it felt a little bit like a like a like a roller coaster and the second you sort of like got into the movement of what he was doing it cut away real quick cuz there's a lot of cuts in this movie. Um and, I mean and overall the characters themselves I mean the actors do I feel like a ton of heavy lifting here with given not much time to uh truly get into exactly why they are doing what um and they all choose scenery in their own particular way. And it makes this ridiculous journey that they go on believable in the Bayverse in which it is presented. I don't know. I had a good time. I could pick it apart, but I don't want to. <laughs> now you got well. me thinking about Danny and Will. Like, they're, they get lost in this labyrinth. They find a cave, and then they're in the mm -hmm. descent. Yeah, yeah. Why, why not? <laughs> like, put Danny and Will. Put Danny and Will in any other bubbly <laughs> scenario of any other film, and it would probably be pretty fun. Oh God, them fighting the crawlers from the descent. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, you know what statistic blew my mind most about this movie? Sorry, sorry to interrupt with that. No, but, no, um, go ahead. Go ahead. They, they, they shot it in thirty-eight days. Right. Yeah. What? And, and th this is because, again, in that, it, you know, just from a production point of view. Um, I think nuts. the story with Michael Bay is that he is ruthlessly efficient on set and uh, has an energy level um, that is un unparalleled. So even uh, what I've heard is even people who don't like his movies love working with him because of the, the sort of the 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 lack uh, the, the the sort of limitation of the extraneous things that go into making a movie we've all be, we've all been on film sets where you know it takes half a day to light a shot um oh. that is only going to be on screen for like three seconds and yeah. as far as i understand i i don't think this is quite the case but w the way someone described it to me once is that michael bay doesn't need a first ad which is that he runs his set like a general um he is on top of everything that is going on he is a little dictatorial um and and it can be very difficult to work with him but 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 because he is entirely demanding about you know the absolute efficiency which is why you get a movie like this which is 40 million dollars and you're sort of kind of wondering how they managed to pull that off because there's no there's no world where even on paper if you said we want to make a chase scene through LA with explosions helicopters the police involved is there any world where that even remotely approaches $40 million as a baseline. Or there's no mm -hmm. movie around it. Like, that sequence alone is $40 million. Yeah, that's, and the that's, solution, yeah. Shahir, is make the whole movie the sequence. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm curious then, Mark, uh, you have written a, a review of the film, but what you, know, what you thought of it, just on a pure experiential level. I mean, I loved it. I think it's top prob probably three or four Bay for me. I, 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 think, it's, I think he's really impactful. Uh, 
passionate about the material. I think he got th- like some excellent actor. I mean, Garrett Dillahunt, I love him. Yeah, and Garrett he's Dillahunt's just riding around yeah. like, and like even the side with characters. I thought like yeah, with a yeah. dog and like you know, you know just um, what Cedric Sanders. I thought was really cool. Like some of the just the supporting cast. Like I just thought it was like a stack supporting cast. There's actors I liked. It was really propulsive. It was. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's neck veins were were on point. <laughs> it's just you know for me when I go to see a Bay movie, you just know what to expect. And so right. this one though, like Aza Gonzalez, she's really good. Uh, when you the rest of the actors, but just feeling the the emotion in this, and it didn't make me want to like take a shower like Six Underground did. I just thought it was a really fun, uh, propulsive. I mean, but you know what's interesting with Bay? Like whenever I read, like my initial thought was I just loved it, right? Uh, right. You know, four to five stars because it, it's. <laughs> I think he made the movie he wanted to make, but I, yep. I, for me, like I graded a movie on a Bay scale. Like a lot of people are like, <laughs> well, you know, Avengers Endgame is better. I'm like, yeah, but this is a Michael Bay film that's forty million dollars and shot in thirty eight days. Like you got to, you right. know what you were going yeah. in for. Yeah, you, and, you know, and like yeah, I, I do think that the drone shots were probably my least favorite aspect of it because. In cinema, for me, I kind of have a hard time with... I know a lot of these shots were meant to induce dread, uh, kind of keep you uh, your heart rate up, keep you like feeling tense, but a lot of them felt unnecessary, and they did take me out of the movie. So I felt like he maybe got a new toy, and he played with them a little too much mm-hmm. in this. So that's like my main complaint. I don't know. It, it was it was fun. It wasn't it wasn't um, too gratuitous. Like, I was talking to my wife, and she was like, was that, were there gratuitous shots? And she's like, I think there were two. Like it right. was, it was, it's a, the, yeah, it was yeah, good. The only gratuity and and it was for effect is not normal Michael Bay gratuity. And that was during uh, an, an operation scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, I didn't remember I was squeamish. <laughs> Body horror. And I did. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah, it was nuts. Uh, Sheer, what about you, buddy? Well, I hate to be the dampener on all of this on the No, on the you Bay don't. You live here. for this. Um, but I, I look, for the first half of this movie, I was thrilled. I thought um, for it, one particular thing was the Lorne Balfe score. I thought was just so propulsive and kinetic and like really I was in the headspace of the heist. And I was like, oh, Michael Bay's doing an actual heist movie that's like... You know, um, with with his usual freneticism, but actually invested in like the the tension of the heist. You know, like getting from one place to the next. How are they going to do this? How are they going to carry this? You know, all, all that sort of detail. And I thought, and I and the the drones in that in those moments were excessive. And I think the thing for me was that um, what I was surprised by was how willing. Um, Bay was to to use a drone in an interior scene um, at a bank. Uh, I was quite yeah. I was quite surprised by by that take, uh, especially when when uh, said drone shots were not required. But they there was this sort of visual schematic to it where the propulsion of the score and the drone shots were kind of there was a harmony to it that I kind of really really dug. And then you know I I, I was sort of in some way interested in the story of two brothers, right? Like two brothers who who obviously don't look alike and then who are like who are who are flashbacked upon with this very strange um sort of symbolism of Americana that is like I, I just couldn't quite make heads or tails for the way in which Bay was employing his usual kind of like 
almost commercial aesthetic for to depict two young brothers who grew up in LA but for some reason like are playing like cops and robbers like they're from the 40s and I was like it just felt very it felt very unusual to me I was like I couldn't quite make heads or tails I was like these guys are like they grew up in the 80s and 90s and this looks like it was the fucking 30s or 40s in this in these in these flashbacks it was very very strange to me but I was like you know what I'm like Bay, do your thing. You know, do do what you got to do. Um, if 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 all we're kind of getting at here is a really propulsive chase sequence with these two guys in an ambulance, I'm here for it. The movie is about thirty minutes. What just just thirty minutes too long? Where and and the the problem with the the additional thirty minutes of content, like the original film, uh, the original Dutch film, this I think is only like seventy minutes or something like this. This movie's like two, like closing in on two hours or something like that, um, or maybe over two hours. The problem is, is the way in which Bay negotiates this kind of interesting idea of morality and you know pain and gain is a perfect example of that because i think um pain and gain is a is a really i use the cohen reference uh for that one because that's something the cohen's are really good at which is um looking at the lens of people who are amoral uh as a through through and interrogating that through the film while enjoying our time with them because they are sort of fun to be around, but also interrogating the things they do with the sense of like, hey, maybe this isn't so cool. And 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 I was sort of really curious how Bay was going to negotiate that by the end of this film. And it's, it's something that I, I didn't feel he successfully negotiated in Pain and Gain, but I, but I sort of, I liked the swing at it. And in this one, the final sequences, which really go out of their way to try and redeem uh yaha abdul mateen's character is, it, is he daniel or will I, I forget which one he is um uh, will he's yeah. will in the way in which it kind of does you know like goes out of its way to try and redeem his character through everything that's happened in the movie i just found pretty rough to watch in terms of like i i found it like clumsily handled in a way that like just didn't need to happen and i was like i wondered why there was so much effort to do this when really what we're here for is explosions and car chases. I, I will say one thing that I really did like about this, and you know, we talked about grading it on a scale of Bayisms. Um, this is one of the first movies with a, with a lead female character whom I didn't feel the camera was leering at her with a kind of uh, leery misogynistic lens. I was like, I was actually surprised at how well uh, Isaac Gonzalez kind of walks away with the movie. Um, as as like the most interesting character with the most interesting with, with the most well fleshed out arc, um, which I was I was actually genuinely surprised by, given you know what Michael Bay has done in, in these kinds of movies before, but I I I found it to be kind of messy, occasionally fun, but but at the same time kind of icky in places, um, particularly around around this idea of like redeeming these characters for the things that they've done in a way unnecessarily for me like it didn't feel like the movie needed to do this and when it did do it um it didn't really work i don't know if that i don't know if i'm the guy who just sits there and thinks about the consequences of what's happening in the story but that's (laughs) i was kind of just thinking about the consequences of what's happening in the story I mean, I guess, I, I guess we, we to, in order to to unravel that thought or or talk through it, I think we do need to get into spoilers, which we are about halfway through the podcast, so I think that is appropriate to right. do. Um, the, the the redemption arc thing is kind of interesting. I don't know. I, 
for Will's character, personally, I don't, like, was there, re- how, there how do we put There's this? this really long pointed shot where they make, it's quite painful to watch, where they point, where they make it, they make it clear, even though Will is the person who shot the cop, that, that, that they, that, that he is, that he, they make it clear that through the turn of events that is happening, he is not going to be blamed for shooting the cop. Like, you know, they, they point, point him to the book and said, who shot me? And the cop goes, it was this guy who's dead. As though he is making a choice to, you know, not knowing who actually yeah. shot him. And it was like, I was like, why, why is the cop who is being shot and dragged around all day doing because, this? Because he also saved him. Does he, like, does that matter? He shot I them mean, and they, they laid them on a bank robber. So does it Look, matter? I'm not going <laughs> to defend the character development of a Michael Bay character. Right. But in the world, again, the world I knew I was inhabiting, that is exactly what that cop would do. Like in Michael Bay's America, in Michael Bay's in America, Michael Bay's America. That is, sure. Exactly, because you know what? Because but, And that's where we're living for this movie for about two hours. The, the point is, like... This you were talking about before. It's great to look at how Michael Bay views the world, and I honestly believe Michael Bay thinks that if someone shot someone, the person that got shot would forgive them. If that if they other just person shot somebody saved else. them, <laughs> if that other person saved them in a super fucking badass dramatic way, I think he believes that. I think this whole movie is like sort of saying that, and therefore that never derailed me. That would have derailed me in in a non Michael Bay film. I I am on there, but again, I knew what I was getting into, and that is exactly how Michael Bay views these situations. Mark, you want to weigh in on 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 that uh, aspect of the film? My mind's a little blown here because I just spent, I watched all I've 15 films recently and I don't think I've ever looked at any of these movies in like a moral or judgmental <laughs> viewpoint. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm, I, but that's why I love it so much. But yeah, Will, I guess for me, I guess I was just so in Bayland that I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course the dude would just be like, yeah, man, like he didn't do it. The, the guy yeah. with the cashmere sweater did it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> like, You've you've stymied me a couple times tonight, and I love it. But yeah, I, I've I've never once thought about morality with with characters in these movies because when you watch them all, they're all there's all there's a ton of like really bad characters in his movies who make and that's really fine. Wild decisions. I, I'm I'm all but, I, I, like I said, I think the Cohen, like the, the the movie that I actually really thought about as I was watching this, and is from a filmmaker who is whose films are are entirely lived in with uh, the absolute the absolute same level of testosterone as Michael Bay. And there's another Michael filmmaker, and that's Michael Mann. And his films, uh, particularly the, the film that I really thought about in relation to this one was Collateral, uh, the Stuart Beatty script. Oh, because I think yeah. the thing that's interesting there is that that is a film uh, which interrogates the, the moral... Uh, tr- the moral integrity of Tom Cruise's character in a way that says, yes, this is a terrible person, even though at times he is, in fact, in a, in a sort of, in the landscape of actions that propels Jamie Foxx's character out of his sort of like, um, out of his uh, sort of stupor of wanting to, to do things, but is, is unable to, like Tom Cruise's character is exactly the person who is, who helps him out of that. You know, he's like, you've got to live your dreams. If you love jazz, you've got to like, you know, this, oh, no, sorry. If you want to build this limousine company, you've got to do it because that's what I do. But at the end of the film... If you want to become Electro, yeah. that is what you have to do. And then you have to go back and reinvent the character to be the character you actually wanted to play. 
Right, right. So not John Watts, but Michael Mann. Um, <laughs> if 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 you wanted, and, and but then the movie is smart enough to know that at the heart of this, that that Tom Cruise's character is not redeemable. <laughs> you know, like it's like mm-hmm. yes, there are positive qualities to this character. There are things that we can we can learn from this character, and it's interesting to to examine the worldview of this character. But we also know that that this character and what they've done through the course of this movie is not redeemable by the by the standards of what's happened in this movie. And also, and I think well, in, I guess, in, let's talk about in the Bayism world version of that. I'm not sure there's that level of interrogation that's going. On. I think there's like an an interesting conceit here, which is that you on the one hand you have this sort of like um, one brother who has decided to um, you know like who 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 ostensibly is the best uh, bank robber despite just walking into a bank with no mask and everyone just knows who he is. I was like, that was yeah. that re- on camera. Yeah, <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. on yeah. camera. I was like, you can't cover up. You can't cover up Jill and Hall's face, man. That's yeah, I know. But he was like, he I was like, this guy's meant to be like, uh, uh, you know, his. They have a lineage here as well. The father was like a notorious bank robber, and he and and we learned through the course of the story that Jill and Hall's character has gone to like uh, for. Um, to police to police training or or uh, academy training or something like that, so he can learn about bank robbers. But he literally just walks into a bank and like it like they identify him within ten seconds. I was like, is this guy the best that there is? Anyway, um, but I think there's an interesting thing here is that that one brother has an absolute lack of morality. The other is one who is has worked for the uh, U.S. military. Again, a, a Bay favorite. You know, like the idea of like um, a favorite. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of making uh, the uh, our. Servicemen and women as like the absolute hero, you know, the absolute upholders of morality, and then he is dragged into this into this crime that he probably doesn't want any part of. He has the most to lose because he has a family. He is trying to just get the the money, you know. So, which reminds me of uh, the Cassavetes film, uh, John Q, the uh, Nick Cassavetes, not John. Um, and you know, so it's sort of this interesting gray area, and whether the film will negotiate, you know, like this is a good person who is now making bad choices. But I don't think, like, within the world of the film, that those choices get navigated in the way that I think... Like, him just being point... The cop suddenly makes a choice at the end that this guy didn't shoot him. After, as far as the cop is concerned, these are just two, you know, guys who came in and, like... You know, robbed That's the bank true, and though. then he shot him. had a whole him. experience with him for like an hour and a half in the thing. And he also, was in a coma note, for I, most of it. I mean, well, he was lo- knocked is, out for a is, lot of it. <laughs> This is the crazy part. I'm wondering what the what the moral quandary is you're having with Will. Like, like Do you apparently think he's, a good he's, he's ir- I I think he's a, a, one of the better persons in the thing. Again, the, really? the major sin, the major sin that Will commits in this movie is shooting the cop. Uh, in the in the bank robbery thing, but let's talk about a little. Hang bit on a second, just before here. before we do that, in a data analytic way, uh, Mark, do you think other people died um, because of the uh, because of the actions of Will and Daniel during this during this day long event? At least forty three. Yeah. <laughs> sure, but but here's the thing. Yeah. Like the, the the point being is they're already. It's almost like uh, how do I put it? Um. The, the natural disaster, even though he he is the 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 focal point, and he thought maybe he could raise. You mean the cause, the direct cause of the natural disaster that is the sure. death of you know. But like also, but uh, but also, I, I think you're you're being, I don't know, for whatever reason, and I, I think this is what. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to defend uh, nuances of Michael Bay's character development. I think it has a lot to be desired. I don't think that's entirely the point, but. Um, 
look, I don't think he's a completely moral character, but I don't think he is um, completely irredeemable. He was in a situation, again, he put himself in there, but mm. once you're on this ride, you're fucking going. This, the cop was going to shoot his brother, so he shot the cop in a panic moment. Again, not a good thing, <laughs> not a good dude thing to do, but... Look, if if there's someone holding down someone you love and they're going to shoot them in the head, you might think otherwise, not rationally and not like in a good guy move. And then all he does the entire time is try to make sure that fucking Danny does not keep murdering more people <laughs> and trying to keep this cop alive because he rightfully feels guilty about that. Like, did, did I don't just like I don't straight up Will... murk a whole gang of people inside uh, inside the gangland as well. Like they just straight up. Yeah. Murdered people. They were right? going to kill them. All right. Again, okay. this is all. Sim I, I am not. I'm not trying to define actual real world morality about this. My, which my is point interesting here that is like, that I no, think no, all that's done. fine. Hold on. Hey, well, you, yeah. you had your point. I'm continuing and finishing mine. Okay. All right. Again, it is a Michael Bay world, and that is why when I am invited into this thing, I'm not particularly questioning these other things. Again, I would probably say. That out of all the characters outside of uh, Ilza um, or Cam, I should say, Isaac Gonzalez, um, yeah. uh, the the Will's character, like there's, if you look at the three mains, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Danny's a fucking psychopath. He Dick, Bay character bad. Then you have uh, Cam, Bay character good, and then you have Will, Bay character nebulous. What will happen with him? The drama of what will happen at the end because he has fucked up but you're supposed to care about him. And again, in the Bay version of the way the world works, I did. That's my point. Like, the, 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 the dramatic thing of like, oh no, what's going to happen to Will, I think works, because in Michael Bay's world, that's weirdly how justice happens. And it's not correct, but it does make the drama real for the viewer. Mark, what are you going to <laughs> I did think both brothers were going to die laying next to each other. And yeah. then when Will lived, I, I kind of went, "What?" Yeah, uh, that I, I thought it would have maybe been better if they both died, but I guess that's not a Bay maneuver. Well, that's that's the right. thing. It's like, I, I'm fine <laughs> but, with all the decisions that have been made by Will's character in this film. I just would, I would have thought, like, uh, an interesting film, or and just just even a mildly interesting moment would have been to interrogate that idea that you are not, you know, you've done the most fucked up thing that you could do. You went into this with like um, wanting to like raise money for your wife's surgery and stuff, but that's not what we're, where we're at now. You've like been involved in a major, in a major thing or just interrogate that idea. But the film is not interested in that. And, and for me that contributes to that icky factor of the, of, of like what this movie is trying to do. I think there's only one character in Bay's entire filmography that has like a really great dose of gray, and that's Ed Harris from The Rock. Is in he the, the rock. one? Yeah, the yeah, most, yeah. That's an interesting he, one. Yeah, but the film because like, he might be he he, the he might be the most complex. interrogates interrogates his power struggle because his his uh, his actions while initially honorable are tainted by the ruthlessness with which he is willing to to enact them, and the film you know arguably justifiably interrogates that idea um you know and and he doesn't walk away from this unscathed right and yeah, uh, there's yeah. just this there's just a long protracted and like again if will's character had lived i would be like okay cool that's just the way it played out but there's this long protracted sequence where the cop makes the choice to uh to like to make it okay that he was part of this and i was like oh 
is and and Matt, you're 100 percent correct. That is the Bayisms of of this world. That is that is the lens with which Michael Bay views the world. Um, that we and, saw for two hours and fifteen minutes. And like, is, that we were you know, trained and, throughout. And and, and and that is a like for me. That's a sort of uh, there's a a. a, a a sort of clumsiness of of interrogation of that idea, or a lack, an entire lack of interrogation of that idea through this film, and it's just like, okay, cool, I, you know, I that's what I walk away from. I think you're you're going to a Dairy Queen looking for a steak. I think that's kind of what like this sort of moves down. Like you again, we we started this whole thing like he is a he is an auteur. You know what he's doing. To expect anything else like to sort of happen in that area. And then but be d- disappointed does that mean I have to? Does that mean I have to like what he's doing? No, not at all. Because, no, no, because no. I, but because you're, ta- you're, there, you're talking there, about there's the reason thing why you didn't think, like it is it doesn't fit in yeah, what should happen in real life. It doesn't and this is not the, real life. Yeah, but it, but but like like for example, I kind of pointed out I actually was uh, compelled by the propulsiveness of this. I've talked at length on this show about how much admiration I have for Michael Bay's filmmaking prowess and at how, like, uh, like for example, the Transformers example, uh, I think there is a comedic sensibility within Michael Bay that is unparalleled. Like, I, like I, and I'm talking about the, the scene in the Transformers where basically the, the Transformers have to, like, hide in a house while being giant robots. And I was like, this is genius. Um, but I think there's a, a sort of uh, an ickiness in the same way in which Michael Bay's camera often leers up, leers upon women. There's an ickiness to it, which we sh- which I would be uh, if if I just went in and said it doesn't matter. It's a Michael Bay movie. I think I would be a pretty you know terrible commentator of movies. Hmm. Uh, I I mean I no, disagree. No? I think you're, okay. you're equating you're equating you're equating sort of like cultural ickiness with story tact in a weird way like the stuff like look i could i could also shit on michael bay too i could say a bunch of things i don't like about him even about this sort of film but what we were talking about is something like narratively not fitting or not working for you Mm -hmm. and my only thing and again things cannot work for everybody that's totally fine my only thing is like it's a little bit weird to expect that thing when we know that's not going to happen Right, so we're. Does that make sense? So, so the, the, the lack of, uh, and it's not, it's not even the lack of it because it, it's, it's the clumsy choices that this film makes about redeeming that character. When I think a more, there's a more interesting interrogation of that idea that could be, that could be at play here. And it's it's just, funny. It's almost like it's almost like there's not enough. And this isn't this isn't a take a, a play on your take at all. It's like the way I sort of look at films is. You can't, most times, maybe I'm wrong, you can't have, like, everything perfect in the right, like, every tank can't be full. Right. Like, and this tank is full of action and ridiculous camera stuff and, like, helicopters flying down the L.A. River and, like, all this other shit and da-da-da-da. And it's Michael Bay and there's explosions and, you know, there's needless third act uh, gang violence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's not... They could have cut all that out. That was so, I was like, I get it. Can we get to the fucking hospital? Yeah. But like, but again, because there's sort of that, I'm not expecting, I'm not, I'm not seeing the, I'm not expecting the sort of other tanks to be full. If this story, again, this is a remake, what, 2015? 2005. Was the original film? 2005, Jesus. I'm so, yeah. So that movie, again, I have not seen it, but I imagine it is tonally different. (laughs) 
<laughs> and maybe focuses on different aspects of this story. And maybe that delivers for different people better or worse. I just, uh, I, 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 always, I always have a hard time judging a particular film when I kind of know the pedigree of where this the film is coming from to say like oh like i like i guess i i sort of like prime myself to know that like yeah they're not going to treat the characters perfectly or well or and there's going to be like a twist that doesn't quite make sense but like that's not why i'm there so i guess i judge that less if that makes sense and that's not counting the myriad of bullshit that Michael Bay has done in the past with uh, sort of like either with racist undertones or being very sexist in certain ways. That's neither here nor there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specific character choices in a narrative in this particular case. Mark, I feel like Matt and I have been going back and forth and I, apo- no, and I no, apologize no, we've for been, that I'm entirely. so sorry, Mark. No, no, no. You know what's really interesting? I, I love, I actually really love hearing you two because I, I think I agree with both of you because... I do go into Michael Bay movies thinking it's going to be a Michael Bay movie. But I think in this one, I was really surprised about the treatment of Cam and Aza Gonzalez, who mm-hmm. yeah. I just want to say, I love the movie Bloodshot and they need to do a sequel with Lamorne Morris, Vin Diesel and Aza Gonzalez driving around in an Airstream solving crimes. Like that movie <laughs> needs to happen. We cover it every year. I, I'm on, sure on Vin Diesel desperately wants this to happen as well. I mean, $40 million movie, make it happen. But I guess I was so surprised with the treatment of, of Isaac Gonzalez that was, yeah. I didn't even think about Will. And the more I think about it, I do think it's like, the way they end up with Will is definitely sort of a cop out. I know it's Michael Bay and he's not looking for that, but they do kind of, you know, in the beginning, you, you, you realize his wife, the insurance won't pick up, but then a bunch of people get murdered. But then, you know, he tries to do the right thing and then they're like, yo, it's cool. So yeah. it's <laughs> I mean, it's I think I, th- I think it is quite clumsy because I thought they were both going to die. But yeah. I, I guess I'm I'm just after watching so many Bay films, I was so primed of just sort of, I, I mean the the la- and I'm not hating on him, but the lack of complex emotions in his movies mm. that I, I guess I I would have been more surprised. I, I guess I would have been more surprised if if he died or if he yeah. would have been judged more. So I right. guess I just like it, it was. It's very much like his movies do mind numb your mind. I remember when I got to Transformers the last night. Yeah. And I was counting the 200 plus explosions and I'm like, this is, I was like, I'm, I'm tired. Like I really (laughs) felt exhausted. So it's, I know I really enjoyed hearing that because I mean, whenever I think about my Michael Bay films, I don't think I've ever had like a complex talk because I've covered a bunch of his movies and I've never had a complex talk about one of his characters (laughs) in any of his films but it's but I mean but they're trying to make Will sympathetic in this right like they're trying to you know him against the insurance and you know you introduce the gang to have like a more evil group like in Heat you have uh, the the serial killer dude, like who yeah, happens yeah. to be a random serial killer because that makes De Niro not so bad. De Niro so has wait, a code who? that he yeah. abides by, but even then, De Niro's code fails him, and ultimately yeah. the film doesn't abide. You know, like the film kind of interrogates like that idea um, because De Niro's let down in in Heat, and also shout out to One Heat uh, One Heat Minute, the uh, Blake uh, podcast that we that we absolutely love. You know, the 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 film interrogates that idea, and he is betrayed by. You know, he has this sort of moral high ground for everything that he does because he he makes choices, but he ultimately lets lets himself down, and that's why that's what his downfall is because he decides to go after uh, Wangro. Sorry, I'm a Heat fanatic. Yeah. Um, who? But it, who looks better carrying cash? I just want to ask. Jake oh, Gyllenhaal. Uh, Wayne, uh, Robert De Niro or, or Jake Gyllenhaal? I mean, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal rocks that cashmere pretty pretty well. Like, 
Uh, <laughs> that that tur- like that he wears a turtleneck. The turtleneck doesn't wear him. Yeah, it yeah. Looks it's really good on him running around. I will with that say, cash. just coming back to just an aesthetic thing, the the drones. We got to talk about the drones at some point because this is obviously the new toy that is in this film. I I again, there was a propulsiveness at the beginning of it, which I kind of dug, and I was like, again with the Balf score, I was like, yes, I'm I'm kind of here for this, and I'm I'm sort of curious at how much he's willing to throw this. But there are moments where the drone. Like, uh, it's a hundred it's percent a, it's a, a classic FPV move, which is that you are in a building or at a building and you, you swoop down the building towards whatever, you know, it is you want to go to. But the problem is, is that that has no visual or narrative context that makes it make sense other than we can do this, so we're going to do it. Yeehaw! Like, the, the, like the, the, the CGI, you know, I, I remember reading about um, uh, uh, David Fincher's Fight Club, and in the, in the opening sequences of that, there is a shot that is akin to an FPV drone where camera, the camera swoops down the side of the building through the ground into, um, uh, into the, the parking garage. And Fincher goes on to explain in great detail why it was important to have a camera move that worked like that because it emulated the, flat, the, the way in which the, the, the narrator's brain worked, which is it jumps from location to location to place to place with, uh, with no sense of uh, spatial continuity. So that's, that's why he did it that way. I don't think feel like there's that same kind of um, thought process going on behind the FPV drone in this in this film, which everyone calls out, and it looks amazing, and it is an incredible technology, but it is kind of like, you're sort of like, that's an FPV drone, not that's a really cool way to show that scene, right? I, I don't know, that, that was, he, that was he, the thing for yeah. me. He knocked, the, he knocked the drone pilot out of the way, took his remote, yeah. and just started <laughs> freewheeling around LA yeah. with that thing. Like, that's... That's what it was like. This is awesome. I'm going to add. But he's also probably thinking I have a 40 million dollar movie here. So I'm going to add some production yep. design. I got this thing. How much are we paying him? All right. Fly it everywhere. So yeah. he's. Pr- pr- yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking production design. But yeah, it definitely took me out of it. And uh, I've been watching a show recently called Outer Range. You know, the new Josh Brolin. Oh, the Josh Brolin Ju- show. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been watching that and I like it. But I keep getting taken out of it because there's some shots that are just like like too stylish like they're too right. like i don't know i don't know why i brought that up it's just been bothering me i had to vent <laughs> so i was like my that was my way of like complaining about some of the shots from that show no yeah. it, it, it's interesting i didn't dislike the drone shots per se the thing that took me out of the movie oftentimes when they were used was not that they were being used at all i think it was sort of an energy pusher what got me taken out of it i found myself snapping into production brain when like because I feel like every drone shot was cut off like three seconds yeah. too yeah. soon. You wanted it to hold, and I was like, and I was like, did you crash him? Like yeah. every time I was like, did the drone fuck up? Did you crash it? And now you're saving footage. Like yeah. it every time I just my brain went there, and that's not a good feeling. I think for your movie. Like, I, and again, I know not everyone, especially folks that aren't, don't have production backgrounds wouldn't sort of think that, but like, I was always like, and here we go, and we're done. What? Did the, did the, did the ride stop? Like, oh, wait, here we go. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, right. like, and it was never, there's only like, I'd say like three drone shots in the entire movie that like actually feel like the proper length mm. and the rest are like a third of that. Like, it, I don't know. Did anyone else notice the, the editing around them bother it, them as well? Or was it just the use in general? 
I'm so used to the kinetic editing that I just, I would have been, I was really surprised when it entered through the door though. I will say they kept that one pretty, I was like, that just happened. Yep. They have a drone yeah. indoors. Yep. That's what, that's the one thought I had about it. But after watching so many rapid fire cuts from his movies, yeah, like I think I would have been surprised if they held it for those three seconds. I yep. think it would have taken me out. If that, if that yeah. makes sense, because just because I've been living in the world of it for so it does, long. It, it does make sense. I think drone shots in particular have a very, I don't think they work in fast cuts. Like, it went, when intercut with, like, the way that it is done here. I feel like that was a, a major flaw. Really, I, I don't know if I, if it was mostly in the first half of the film that they did that a lot more, where they, like, cut the drone shot off quick, or they, like, they're trying to build up tension in the bank, so they're, like, send it over the edge of the bank, and then, like, it only makes it, like, a third down the building, and you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, I think to me the problem, the like there is there is a there is a place for the drone shots that worked really well, like particularly in car chase sequences when the drone is right behind the car and mm -hmm. can like you know like the car is essentially navigating through spaces and the drone is emulating that sense. So I, and I think like brilliant works fantastic when the drone goes through like a sort of a, uh, a an array of abandoned piles to then meet a car i'm like wait a minute this has got nothing to do with <laughs> this has got nothing to do with both the rhythm pacing stylistic choices and it's just got everything to do with there is a random pile a set of pylons here that would be cool look cool if we went past it like again case in point mission impossible um fallout uh, has this excellent sequence in the the, the, the chase sequence in Paris where um, uh, uh, she the, the the female character uh, whose name I've uh, forgotten now is riding Elsa? a bike and Foss? Elsa yeah you're right yeah and and there's this sort of like wonderful like as she's riding the bike the film kind of slows down and you hear this like perfect boom 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 boom, boom, boom as she's kind of like moving past the bike and it like signals to the audience the danger that this character is going to have upon Ethan Hunt's character and it's like okay it's stylish it's cool it calls itself out but it also kind of like gets me into a space that like works for the sequence that i'm about to watch whereas there are drone shots in this where it's like yeah that's a drone shot and you, you sure did it and i'm like but it's got no visual schematic to it that like connects it to the film um moments where it worked really well and like again i i'm sure someone's gonna watch this and and use that fpv drone in movies more now uh and and come up with like a cool way to use it like um but you know the, the, there was just the sense of like that is the new toy and you know we're just gonna use it right yeah who, uh, what movie would you? Who would you rather work on a movie? Would you rather work on a Tom Cruise movie and just know that you're going to have location changes through the day? I was working on a film and he was here with American Made, and they asked yeah. if I could go over there and work on some of the cars because I used to yeah. I did a lot of cars on movie sets. Yeah. And so, would you rather work on a Tom Cruise movie or a Michael Bay movie? As a like, you get a chance to go work on one of the and see them work. Which one would you? Uh, you know the the the, um, the director of yeah. um, American Made, um, who also directed Swing. Doug, Doug Lyman. I would Doug not want Lyman. to. Work. I I would he, want he did, to oh. see how he works because I'm really interested in the things he does. I think Tom Cruise is really interesting. I, I, I look. I would love to be on, a fly on the wall on Michael Bay's movies. Like I again, I have so much admiration for the efficiency with which he makes movies because the, one of the things that drives me crazy as a director is how inefficient movie making is and how like you know like time consuming difficult and how how unnecessarily time consuming and difficult it feels like and i think michael bay um you know cuts through all of that 
and just makes these massive movies on what like with a, almost it feels like a guerrilla attitude and i would be pretty amazed to like watch that uh in practice but i yeah, mean if i'm being movie. honest i think doug lyman's movie the the end result might be more interesting on a doug lyman film right Watch, watch yeah. Jumper. Get the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah I, and, I know Jumper is the one uh, is the one movie that doesn't quite land on. Well, no, there's a I, few that don't I, quite land in Lyman's career. I love Jumper. I this, this is I moved to Korea and it was yeah. like one of my first weekends there, and I didn't have my job yet, and my apartment wasn't ready, so they put me in this crazy hotel. It was February. Yeah. I was from Florida. I was freezing. I randomly walked around this Korean t- uh, city that I was supposed to be living in. I had no idea where I was from. I found a movie theater, watched Jumper. It's like my favorite movie uh, just because of that reason. But I watched the right. Blu-ray and the behind the scenes of, of Doug Lyman on set. I mean, yeah, everyone's mad at him. Like uh, <laughs> Jamie Bell is just outwardly like cussing him out. Yeah. Like just like, I can't stand this guy. So if you ever want to see how he works... That was a very long story. It sounded very yeah. pretentious, but if you ever want to know how he works, watch the jumper behind the scenes stuff because All right. he, Lyman's a maniac and yeah. they don't hide it. I'm amazed they left some of that stuff in because these people are like, I hate him. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. I'm like, I was like, this is a Blu-ray extra. He must have uh, pissed off the behind the scenes crew too. Yeah. Like yeah. it must have just been a whole thing. But just I, I was that? once in an elevator with Doug Lyman and I was I was almost prompted to say something to him or like just say hi, but I, I didn't know what to say at that point. But he uh I mean like again, I think his films are interesting. And and bring it back to Michael Bay, I think Michael like again, the sheer scale the 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 speed at which Michael Bay works and and I think I always have time for Michael Bay because I think there is an element of uh, rhythmic pacing that he does that very few people can do like I I don't think many people can do what Michael Bay does uh, at a scale at which he does um, I. But, you know, again, uh, if I'm if I'm talking about the movie as an experience, the the sort of the messiness of the of it. And it's again, if the movie had just ignored this fact or had just like not done it. But I think there's this thing in Michael Bay's sort of paradigm of the world that has to do with um, uh, men in the military. For one, there's a great book called Hollywood Goes to War, which I think outlines uh, the, the 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 reverence that Michael Bay has for working with military, and 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 does go into quite some detail, I think, about um, the way in which his films kind of operate as military propaganda. Um, but I think there is this there's this sense of of the way Michael Bay views the world, and again, we've seen it also in the way his movies have historically treated women and minorities um, that. The mora- the morality that the, the the links at which this film tries to go to 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 uh, redeem this one character, I, I could have just it, it just it signals a cl- a clumsiness to it uh, and a sort of like a weird ickiness to it. I think pain and gain is a little me. more successful in this, but also you know kind of problematic. But but you know like that's you know that that if you want to talk about like what it's like to live in a Michael Bay movie that's what it's like to live in a Michael Bay movie which is that you might need a shower afterwards i think that the the key thing that you said there is the lengths that they go to to absolve this character i think that's why i don't have the problem there's no lengths there's really? literally like a there's not there's a quick like uh him 
He yeah. did it. There's no. It's not like there's no long ass build up. There's no like it's this. <sighs> it's treated the same character moment like in length is treated like every other character moment. Does it make sense? No. Is it moral? No. Is it tonally correct with the film? I just don't see like the lengths he went to absolve this. He took. 30 seconds out of his bombastic two hours and 15 minutes and threw a bayism in there. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I don't, I mean, it's fine. Like, I don't know. I it didn't, like, there's no, if, he if treats you're fine that with it, you're fine with it. With the same, with the same <laughs> reverence, he treats everything else. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I, I think, I think we've, we've discussed Ambu LA Ants quite a bit. Is there any final thoughts? Did we loot? Did we, did we leave anything out of this auteur? Uh, work at this point. The staring at screens is top-notch Michael Bay. There's really? If you watch a Michael Bay movie, oh, yeah. so many people stare at screens. But in Pearl Harbor, they listen to the radio, but like Kate Beckinsale right. listens to that radio. <laughs> like, really listens. But yeah, I, I would say Armageddon probably has the best screen staring. Oh, doesn't like I would Liv, say, Liv Tyler like put her hand up on a screen as she's weeping at some point? Beautiful. Uh, yeah, Beautiful I mean, it's, screen work. It, Ape, like there's levels, like there's levels to that screen work. Yeah. So I would say that's really good. But yeah, Transformers has a lot. But yeah, this is probably. Good. I mean, Garrett Dillahunt and what Zaza. I liked her a lot. Yeah, the two yeah, of them she's in the car. Like, yeah. Are you flirting with me? Like, are you flirting with I get, me? Like, I that love that comedic back rapport between those two characters. So good. So yeah. so freaking good. Side note: What do we think? Who who were the doctors on the golf course? Where, like I'm saying in real life, like are they just Michael Bay's friends? Like what? Like that? I didn't. The, the when when they call the boyfriend or the ex boyfriend to get the video call of like doing the surgery, and then he like narratively, you don't need to call those other two doctors. Do you mm. know what I mean to like talk on the golf course? So I'm you, like, you know what I think it. I, I mean, and I'm just gonna go just from a purely aesthetic reason is that. He just wanted someone on a golf course. He was like, he liked the golf just, course. Yeah, he just he just Done. wanted to get someone on a golf course. But Done. but actually, I, I just, accept it. What do you guys make of the FBI agent and the FBI? Because this is another sort of weird, clumsy thing in this film. The I completely FBI forgot agent, about him. Yeah, yeah, who's brought? Who, who like again? We're seeing this sort of like second half of the movie. We're, we're seeing this like uh, he's in a therapy session with his husband, and the husband is complaining about <laughs> the fact that he's always working too hard. He gets and then you know he. He he ignores all of that to take a call uh, to go figure out this robbery. He gets in there, and then there's this elaborate backstory where he and Daniel's character were in college together. But he was but but he knew that Daniel was uh, you know like uh, the son of a crime boss or something like that. And it, it's as though like they have some connection, or he has got some secret ability to tap into what Daniel wants in order to solve this or to 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 kind of really push the needle in some way but then he's just kind of like making calls right <laughs> like he's just kind of like yeah, hey, i feel like know. it's a it's a setup and a drop like <laughs> it's a, it is a setup and a drop right like it's like a really i completely i completely forgot about that character yeah right you know when you brought it up i went oh yeah that character is there yeah i, I, I that guy remy um what adele uh uh he's the dude he's one of the cops with the backwards hat like he made more of an impression to me yeah right yeah then but, but yeah, there's a, there's a really lot of setup for this character, a lot of yeah. storytelling for this character that really goes nowhere, right? Like it really, I mean, it's ultimately meaningless. And and then there's this absurdity to this, which is that the the I guess the the sort of backbone of the the setup there is that Daniel's character is a mastermind, and I <laughs> I was like, 
is he though? <laughs> like, I was like, what was the mastermind heist here? <laughs> he's a he's a bank robber that runs a security company. How smart does he have to be? <laughs> but but he went to college and studied and like has a mastermind thief who's also ruthless as a father, right? <laughs> Who doesn't wear masks when he walks he into? Masks. Who doesn't wear masks? So as soon as they get a screenshot, they know it's up. He's it going to the. He's going to Turk and Kakos with some flamingos that Wale is painting. Oh, why did they p- spray paint the the ambulance green? I was like, oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, why? Did, <laughs> what was the? Because because again, there was a lot of setup. Like we There's got we, we didn't, he didn't just turn up. He was like he phoned Wale and was like, you need to bring paint. Wale complains about it. He's like, what the fuck am I going to do with paint? And I've got these flamingos. And like it goes back and forth, back why and forth. Why did he? he turns up they spray the thing you even get yaha going saying like like dude don't spray the windshields you got to get this right and there's like there's no reason for this like like in fact it it makes less sense than the plan which was to like have all the cars run out and look the same right and then you have this one that is the one like why spray paint it yeah, email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Write us in why you think the f- they spray-painted the... And why what? it was supposed to be blue. Yeah, why it's not supposed- green. <laughs> I have no idea. That's- I have seen green ambulances before in Florida. Right. Maybe, but that's still... <laughs> that we're going to drive to Florida from L.A.? <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good movie. I don't yeah. <laughs> Keeping the guy alive in the back of the car. Like, we need more fluid... Mark, yeah. Mark, final thoughts from you on 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 ambulance ants. I mean, listen, like, for like, okay, uh, on a, on a, on a, for what I was wanting, it gave me exactly what I wanted. Like, it's it's. I would have been shocked if it was under two hours. I mean, it's like two hours and two and a half hours. Uh, and you know, but it's interesting though. I mean, is it good that that I just expect these things out of his movies now? I guess I I feel like the performers really tried. I, I think, you know what, though? I think my admiration for this movie is really heightened knowing that's $40 million and it's shot in 38 mm, days yeah. from a production mm. standpoint. Like, Amazing. so, uh, like, you know, Rennie Harlan movies, whenever I listen to his DVD commentaries, I always yeah. love his movies. But sometimes <laughs> I watch them, I'm like, ooh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, but I always love them afterwards. So I think after all my research, I respect it more. But I mean, it's good. It's fun. I think it's a solid action film. I, I completely forgot some of the characters, so that's not saying much about it. But but I mean, for what I was looking for, it gave me like, exactly what I wanted. I would say yeah. it gave me exactly what I wanted. I like Aza Gonzalez. I, I'm le- really glad that she got like a standout role. Watch Bloodshot. Uh, but yeah, it's just cool. <laughs> different cast. Joan Hall's neck veins. Um, the dude from uh, Flip Rodriguez. I'm a big fan of uh, America Ninja. America Ninja. American Ninja Warrior. He's one of the the big guys on it, and he was a stunt man oh. that got stunk stuck in the paramedic uh, windshield. Oh, <laughs> that uh, Jake Damn. Hall. yeah, deep cut. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. that made me happy. I was like, that's Flip Rodriguez. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's crazy. Like you guys, it, it's just taught me how little I expect from his movies. And also with the military contracts, I, th- I remember reading that back in the day, he like created a good uh, relationship with him. And he's like, yo, in Transformers, I got a helicopter. I got a yeah. tank for like next to nothing. So he's yeah. probably in his head keeping up this great like relationship with the police and everything. He's like, I get stuff for free. Like yeah. cops will like lock down streets. Like I want. I think he he plays the game as like a producer yeah. director. And well, yeah. one last thing, I do think a lot of Michael Bay's yelling he gets a bad rap for. But I've been on sets with so many yelling first ads and quiet directors that yeah. I think. I mean, listen, I'm not. I'm not. Yes, you're, he has had some like really messed up things in his movies, make you feel an icky, but. 
like his yelling, I guess people maybe just aren't used to directors being that hands on. Like, yeah. I would just love to see how he acts. I wonder if that throws people for a loop, the yelling, because they're used to a first, a surly first AD who's, you know, probably going through some horrible things at home, like going through a divorce, <laughs> yelling at people, uh, just super burly, like super yelly. Uh, you know, you're used to that, but maybe like a director who comes in and just acts like that. I wonder if it's off-putting. But, yeah. I mean, he gets Francis McDormand in his movies. He gets yeah. Stanley John Tucci, John Turturro. Like, yeah. he gets this, like, a who's who of of actors and they keep showing up in his movies. So it, it just, it makes me wish I would have worked on one of his films. Like I really wish I could just be a yeah. fly on the wall because you, I don't know, Francis McDormand, like he got her, he got Anthony Hopkins in, in a, a Transformers movie. movie. Like <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe actors are really curious as to his filming style because it feels very kinetic. He's in there just filming. You don't know where the cameras are. Maybe it's a big time challenge for these actors and they just come out and do it. Like Joan Hall said, he was just feeding Michael Bay was just feeding him lines all day and they were just driving around a convention center. And, you know, like, I guess the vampire line was from Michael Bay. And so he was screaming all that stuff. And Aza and, uh, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, they were mad that Joe and Hall just kept yelling stuff at him. And then they had like a big fight in the car. It's like, just to like, I think John Hall, John Hall even says that there is a, like a, a little bit, I mean, John Hall says exactly what you what you just said, which is that he wanted to do it because he was really curious how Michael Bay worked and what it would be like to be in a Michael Bay movie. Um, you know, and there's the scene where uh, I think John Hall's been saying this uh, across uh, all the press tours where uh, Michael Bay suddenly says, by the way, there's a helicopter that's going to come under this bridge. You just fire your gun at it. And he was like, not prepared for this at all. And But he says, you know, like a lot of the character of uh danny daniel is kind of like based on the sort of like okay you do this you go over here do that run this over here and then do this and it's like it's that you know like and i think you know like whenever i see michael bay's um press photos with him directing behind you know uh on set which is always the the finger point or the yelling into a megaphone which every director has uh i always believe it with michael bay like i always believe that those aren't like staged moments with him like he's one of the few people where it's like no that was just someone who actually genuinely caught that. Um, That's 80% of the time on set as he's in those positions. And again, uh, yeah. I have the most admiration for his work ethic. Um, uh, although he did like slander his VFX team uh, in yeah, the press tour for this one. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Which, for this one? Yeah. 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 He, he, on a press tour, he, he just says, there are some explosions in this movie that are just shit. He like literally says, he says those exact words. And I was like, oof. Don't want to be the VFX supervisor on, on this that project. That sucks. Um, but what like, a dick. Uh, I have the utmost admiration for like the ability he has to put films out at such a scale uh, on such constraints. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, look, I see movies the way I see movies, and you know, uh, this, this sort of like clumsy morality slash you know all co- you know all military people are good is kind of like just a little weird to me but i had a two-hour conversation about peter rabbit once peter rabbit uh, the, the the movie yeah and like yeah. of like the morality like the morality of the characters and who they are as people like but then i have really hard i've I struggle to talk about like that with a bay film it's really <laughs> odd <laughs> because because the bay films are designed to not have you think about them but then you know Again, if you're yeah. uh, a woman or a person of color in certain movies, you might be like yeah. thinking about those things. <laughs> yeah, you know? very much. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Well, this has been the only podcast about the film Ambulance. Ambulance. Mark. Oh, wait, 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 so wait, wait. Just one second. On. One second. Did we figure out what uh, the L.A. stood for? Just so we know. That was the question at the beginning no. of the episode. 
Email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Mark, thank you so much for coming on to our little program. Oh, no, this is a blast. I mean, what, you're, you were asking me in 2020, I guess, to come on. Maybe on yeah, a we've, been, we've been trying episode. to get you on. I know you have an article yeah. about Tom Cruise that you've been pitching that, that oh. feels like a, a little bit of a risky article, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it. Uh, but we, Some we risky business you you're doing while. there. <laughs> yeah, that's going on. That's that's going to go up next month on Fandom. There's a video nice. for it. and Oh, wow. Uh, I guess they've been trying to do it for years, and then they're like... My friend, my friend works for him, and then they got me doing by the numbers, and then I helped make them a, a reality. But it's, it's one of the. I felt like Icarus working on it. I really did. Right, just you like, come too really close to the sun. Flying close to that sun, just yeah. like. I've never. Yeah, I'm. Excited. Can you I'm say really what it is, or would you prefer not to at this stage? I don't want to spoil it. No, it's, don't right, spoil yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's the one thing I, I do hope is I. I when if you hear this and then you see this video later on, like with the Adam Sandler movie I pitched, like I just mm-hmm. want people to know I did it with like complete earnestness. Like I'm not, right. I'm not trying to like, I, I I try not to be purposely pithy or 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 like overly sarcastic. I try to be really earnest. So I just want you and, to know I didn't go into this thing being like sassy. You know, like, <laughs> I just took it as a what, challenge. And that is why I believe I think that I resonate so much with your work and why your work actually shines through is it all does feel like it comes from a place of love and admiration for what these people are doing. You're not, you're not taking the time to count explosions or figure out all this like hyper analytic stuff because you hate the thing you're doing. <laughs> like you, you're, you're, this is, I, I see your articles as even if, even if there are some criticisms in them as sort of love letters to the style of cinema that you're talking about. So I think, I think that's very clear to all of your readers. At least I would hope so. Uh, so I imagine that this one will go down very well. Like the rest of them have, um, yeah, where can people find? Where, where, your where work? can folks find you? Yeah, where can folks find your stuff? Oh uh, yeah, you movies, films, and flicks. So movies, films, on flx.com. You can go to Twitter. You can go to Mark Hoffmeyer on Twitter. Uh, Instagram movies, films, and flicks, and then I don't know Rotten Tomatoes. Mark Hoffmeyer on Rotten Tomatoes. I also write for Film Theorists. So I guess you can type in type in Mark Hoffmeyer Film Theorists, and then the By the Numbers videos for Fandom. I work on those. So uh, check those out. Lots of places. Yeah. Uh, um, Sh- Shahir, when you are not keeping an ambulance, this is where I'm going, I'm going to stick with it, above 60 miles an hour or 88 miles an hour. No, there's so many different kinds of cars that do different speeds, either to time travel or not have a bomb explode. Where can folks find you? You can find me being a total hotshot with my hands taped to the wheel uh, at my website, www.shahirdad.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are... uh, 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 under the warm embrace of a Michael Bay blanket film, where can people find you? You can find me ignoring all of the harsh realities of the world over <laughs> at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, My Life and Works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or P-S-N, and of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. By this point, we will have wrapped up our History of Beer series. You can watch all five parts of them. It is fascinating and delicious. And uh, then uh, the following uh, week we'll be doing on So You Haven't Read, the Joy Luck Club, uh, talking oh, yeah. about that that Ooh. novel. That and is, then uh, one of my uh, wife's favorite books of all time. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then uh, we'll be talking about the historical moment of the Great Disappointment. And if you are not familiar with it, you will not be. Um, <laughs> is it every that, day that we that, sign up? To, is it every time every anyone day. listens to this podcast? <laughs> the greatest disappointment. <laughs> the greatest of disappointments. Uh, <laughs> Next week, we'll be talking about a movie. 
Mark, is there anything you're excited to see? Is there any movies that you would like pitch that uh, that uh, that you would love to hear a discussion of? Oh, um, Undine. Oh, we've <laughs> talked about Undine quite a lot. I did watch it. I have thoughts about Undine. I have thoughts. Nice. It's in no way topical, but that's kind of yeah. how I work. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. that was what, one of your favorite movies, right? Of last yeah, year. Whatever's the the least amount topical. Like, talk. <laughs> how about? Uh, in the uh, in the army now, Ernest uh, saves Christmas. Ernest goes to camp. Um, yeah, yeah. Ernest goes to camp. Talk about those turtles talking. Yeah. Uh, any, Ernest any of those? goes to jail is the best Ernest film in my opinion. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's cover. I mean, listen. I have some theories about that. So, well, uh, let's get these articles. You know, rolling. We should Paddington get an article two. Down. Paddington two and Ernest goes to jail have a lot of similarities. Huh. Yeah. That actually, I, uh, huh. I I have seen Ernest goes to jail, and you know, no one's ever made that connection. But that's why you're good at what you do. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. They were. Hey, don't get. Yeah. That, that's what all I right, think about. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's another. That's for another show. Mark, thank you again so much for coming on. Um, and yeah, we will talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.